Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Morning, everyone. It is Monday on the live feed. And uh, if you missed yesterday the reading, you can go check it out on the podcast. It will be there. So encourage you to do that. Uh, it keeps you up to date, you know, as we go through these books so you don't lose continuity. It also allows you to, <laughs> honestly, you read through the whole Bible in one year. You didn't skip every Sunday. So that's also an encouragement to you to do that because we're almost there. We are in the 11th month and coming into the home stretch. So you want to keep up on the reading, even though the holidays are coming up. You might want to just kind of put it in the back of your mind. I got to keep up on this because it is useful. It is helpful. Scripture is God breathed. And it is an amazing thing when we um, dedicate ourselves to it and let it speak to us. So before we get into it, let's go ahead and look over real quick at this day in history. And I've been thinking about trying to do a little bit more on the world history in the world because we're getting more people out of the U.S. Of course, Canada. I don't have this day in Canada um, or Mexico per se, but we do have a lot going on from the U.S. But I'll try and bring in some more stuff as we go on. The first airplane to take off from a ship's deck, Eugene Ellie, takes off from the U.S. is in Birmingham. And the plane nosedived, taking off the ship. That looks like a right flyer, just what the right wing, what the right brothers were flying. And but it was able to stay in the air. The wheels touched the water, but it was, <laughs> but it kept flying. It was able to land on the beach. And again, this is before they got the idea. Maybe the ship should move forward and give the airplane some added motion to it. But they may have been worried that the engine wasn't strong enough on the airplane to overcome the speed of the ship. I don't know. Don't know about that. Around the world in 72 days, this is quite astounding. Nellie Bly. New York reporter Nellie Bly set sail from New York in an effort to beat Phileas Fogg's from Julius Verne's novel, A Time of 80 Days, for a 24,899-mile trip around the world. When she first proposed the idea to her editor, he told her only a man could make such a trip. She replied, very well, start a man and I'll start the same day from some other newspaper and beat him. <laughs> her editor conceded and off she went. Reporters uh, reports her travels captivated the world and she made it in uh, with eight days to spare. So really, they should make a movie about her. I mean, Jules Verne's movie and novel's great. Phyllis Fogg's great movie. But I'd really like to see a movie on this. And let's see here. This is kind of sad. I mean, this is great, but it's sad that it took so long. Jimmy Carter's church drops ban on blacks. The Plains Baptist Church of Georgia drops its 11-year ban on the attendance of blacks uh, in their church. And Carter had opposed the ban. In 1976, on this day, it took, uh, you know... We we tend to th the media wants you to believe we're all racist here, but we've come a long, long way. All right, that should do it for that. Let's see where we are on our dad jokes, if we can find it. 
know. That's kind of good. I don't know if we've done this. Dad, can you explain to me what a solar eclipse is? No, son. <laughs> I guess he could have said no, son. By the way, we had a lunar eclipse last week. Did any of you see it? I was out early in the morning, and I was looked up, and I said, that's an eclipse. And I hadn't heard about it, but there it was at 6 in the morning here. Lunar eclipse. Mm, uh, let's see if, if I missed the, the other one. Oh, we could do our Canadian, uh, our new Canadian joke sent in. Hank, I'm going to see if I remember it from, from memory. When I was a kid... No, I'm gonna mess it up, Hank. If I don't, if I don't read it, if I don't read it, I'll, I'll mess it up. Let me see if Hank sent this one in. I think I have it memorized, but I don't want to mess it up. So we'll, we'll see if I can get it right. Okay, here it is. I had a happy childhood. My dad used to put me in tires and roll me down hills. Those were good years. <laughs> See, I would have messed it up if I didn't read it right. <laughs> okay. Well, we will move over into the Word now. So find your place in Ezekiel 12 and 13 and Hebrews 6. Father, thank you for our time together. May you bless it, guide us, as you always do. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 12. Then the Word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man... You live in the midst of the rebellious house who have eyes to see but do not see and ears to hear but they do not hear for they are a rebellious house. Therefore, son of man, prepare yourself baggage for exile and go into exile by day in their sight. Even go into exile from your place to another place in their sight. Perhaps they will understand though they are a rebellious house. Bring your baggage out by day in their sight as baggage for exile, then you will go out at the evening in their sight as those going to exile. Dig a hole through the wall in their sight and go out through it. Load the baggage on your shoulder in their sight and carry it out in the dark. You shall cover your face so that you cannot see the land, for I have set you as a sign to the house of Israel. I did so as I had been commanded. By day I brought out my baggage like the baggage of an exile. Then in the evening I dug through the wall with my hands and went out in the dark and carried the baggage on my shoulder in their sight. In the morning, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, has not the house of Israel, the rebellious house, said to you, What are you doing? Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, This burden concerns the prince in Jerusalem, as well as all the house of Israel who are in it, say, I am assigned to you, as I am doing, so it will be done to them. They will go into exile, into captivity. The prince who is among them will load his baggage on his shoulder in the dark and go out. They will dig a hole through the wall to bring it out. He will cover his face so that he cannot see the land with his eyes. I will spread my net over him and he will be caught in my snare and I will bring him to Babylon in the land of the Chaldeans yet he will not see it though he will die there I will scatter to every wind all who are around him his helpers and all his troops 
and I will draw out the sword after him. So they will know that I am the Lord when I scatter them among the nations and spread them among the countries. But I will spare a few of them from the sword and famine and the pestilence that they may tell their abominations among the nations where they go and may know that I am the Lord. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, eat your bread with trembling and drink water with quivering and anxiety. Then say to the people of the land, Thus says the Lord God concerning the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the land of Israel, they will eat their bread with anxiety and drink their water with horror because their land will be stripped of its fullness on account of the violence of all who live in it. The inhabited cities will be laid waste and the land will be a desolation. So you will know that I am the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, what is this proverb you people have concerning the land of Israel, saying, The days are long, and every vision fails. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I will make this proverb cease, so that they will no longer use it as a proverb in Israel. But tell them, The days draw near, as well as the fulfillment of every vision. For there will no longer be any false vision, or flattering, or divination within the house of Israel. For the Lord will speak in whatever word I speak will be performed. It will no longer be delayed. For in your days, O rebellious house, I will speak the word and perform it, declares the Lord God. Furthermore, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, behold, the house of Israel is saying, the vision that he sees is for many years from now, and he prophesies of times far off. Therefore say to them, thus says the Lord God, None of my words will be delayed any longer. Whatever word I speak will be performed, declares the Lord God. Chapter 13. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy, and say to those who prophesy from their own inspiration, Listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who are following their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets have been like foxes among ruins. You have not gone up into the breaches, nor did you build the wall around the house of Israel to stand in the battle on the day of the Lord. They see falsehood and lying divinations who are saying, the Lord declares, when the Lord has not sent them, yet they hope for the fulfillment of their word. Did you not see a false vision and speak a lying divination when you said, the Lord declares? But it is not I who have spoken. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken falsehood and seen a lie. Therefore, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord God. So my hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lying divinations. They will have no place in the council of my people, nor will they be written down in the register of the house of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel, that you may know that I am the Lord God. It is definitively because they have misled my people by saying peace when there is no peace. And when anyone builds a wall, behold, they plaster it over with whitewash. So tell those who plaster it over with whitewash that it will fail. A flooding rain will come and you, O hailstones, will fall and a violent wind will break out. Behold, when the wall has fallen, you will be asked, Where is the plaster with which you plastered it? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, 
I will make a violent wind break out in my wrath. There will also be in my anger a flooding rain and hailstones to consume it in wrath. So I will tear down the wall which you have plastered over with whitewash and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation is laid bare. And when it fails, you will be consumed in its midst and you will know that I am the Lord. Thus I will spend my wrath on the wall and on those who have plastered it over with whitewash. And I will say to you, The wall is gone, and its plasters are gone, along with the prophets of Israel who prophesy to Jerusalem and who see visions of peace for her when there is no peace, declares the Lord. Now you, son of man, set your face against the daughters of the peoples who are prophesying from their own inspiration. Prophesy against them and say, thus says the Lord God, woe to the woman who sew magic bands on their wrists and make veils for the heads of persons of every stature, and hunt down lives. Will you hunt down the lives of my people, but preserve the lives of others for yourselves? For handfuls of barley and fragments of bread, you have profaned me to my people, to put to death some who should not die, and to keep others alive who should not live. By your lying to my people who listen to lies, therefore... Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against your magic bands by which you hunt lives there as birds, and I will tear them from your arms, and I will let them go, even those lives whom you hunt as birds. I will also tear off your veils and deliver my people from your hands, and they will no longer be in your hands to be hunted. And you will know that I am the Lord. Because you disheartened the righteous with falsehood, when I did not cause him grief, but have encouraged the wicked not to turn from his wicked way and preserve his life. Therefore, you women will no longer see false visions or practice divinations, and I will deliver my people out of your hand. Thus, you will know that I am the Lord. Well, I'm quite certain the term (laughs) whitewashing something, it came here out of the Bible as Jesus makes reference to it, of the Pharisees being whitewashed tombs. And the term of whitewashing something, really, I mean, it's it's very appropriate from what we're seeing here. The prophets, the false prophets, were whitewashing their situation and saying, peace, peace, and everything's going to be fine. Look, we're, all right, so what? Babylon came in and took his captives, and they're kind of in charge, but everything's going to be okay. Uh, we're just going to live here and, you know, Israel will continue, Jerusalem will continue, the temple will continue. I don't know how they could be prophesying peace and they were going to be let go when they see this kind of, when they are already conquered, but they were. And God tells Jeremiah to tell these false prophets, the whole wall is going to come down on them. There, in other words, the whitewash is going to come off, it's going to be exposed. Not only is, is the lie a piece but the whole, the whole idea that Israel was still built, still standing. Not only, you know, they said not only is Israel standing, but it's it's going to be fine. It's going to be beautiful. And they plaster over it and whitewash the whole judgment of God coming upon them. But the whole wall comes down. Israel come, becomes completely destroyed. And he's telling them, go do this, do these vision. I mean, go do these prophetic 
modeling of what's going to happen to the prince up there, what's going to happen up. So they have to, he's going to take his bag, he's going to leave, he's going to flee, he's going to make a hole through the wall and flee, and, and he's going to be captured and brought back. And all the people are being told this, and we believe that the word got back to those still in Jerusalem about this prophecy. And I believe, my memories. <laughs> Sometimes I get my names mixed up, so forgive me. But it was Zedekiah, wasn't it, that tried fleeing in the middle of the night. He was captured, brought back. And the prophecy was fulfilled that it would be brought to Babylon, but he would never see it because Nebuchadnezzar had his eyes put out. So he was taken to Babylon, but he never saw it. So we see this prophecy is completed by what we already read about what happens to him. So it's, again, uh, and he's saying, you know, my prophecies are no longer going to be far off. They, what, everything that I'm prophesying is going to be going to be happening right after one, right after the other. You're going to see these things near. And he says, you know, the people who say, oh, you know, it's, um, the visions are far off. And he says, that's all going to change. And, uh, you know, I think the, the mindset still is today. I, I think people still have this idea that, well, the visions in the Bible are far off. They're you know they're not for our time. They're if they exist at all, and we're seeing them change now, right in front of our eyes. If you didn't catch the service yesterday uh, and the teaching I gave, you may want to listen to it because we are in bizarre times. Never <clears throat> did I ever even enter in my mind that the Pope would get together with Jews and Muslims and go up on Mount Sinai to make an agreement to rewrite the Ten Commandments. Supposedly happened yesterday. It was planned to happen. I have not checked the news to see if it did. There was some thinking that Egypt was not going to grant them the permission to go up on the mountain, so I don't know if it really happened, but they're in the middle of a uh, week-long, two-week-long conference to discuss the sins of emissions, not the sins of omission, the sins of emissions, that we as the world need to repent of all of our emissions. I only need to repent of that if I've eaten a bowl of beans and I'm in public. But other than that, I don't think I need to repent of my emissions. <laughs> Sorry, bad dad joke. Um, but the whole thing is, they they think our carbon, we have to go before the creator or the power, uh, a higher power, and repent of, of our um, killing off Mother Earth. And the Pope is leading the way on this. And this, this infuriates me because he's supposed to represent Jesus Christ. He's supposed to be the vicar, the one who is... God's representative to represent his son on this earth. And he's it's telling God that uh, that he has a better Ten Commandments than God has, and which includes which includes vote green or vote whatever it is, vote for for um, carbon emissions reduction. And look it up. Look it up. It'll just it'll blow your mind what is going on over there right now and this is the the one world religion now solidifying into a one world power they're all coming together and saying okay we have decided we're going to have our own god and our own ten commandments 
And it's all going to be based around Mother Earth, Gaia, protecting the Earth. And we're going to tell Jehovah God what we think of his running the world, and we're going to take over. This is really what they're doing. And so um, prophecies being fulfilled? Yep. Absolutely. The establishment of the false prophet, be it him or the next one or somebody in the so coalition of this uh, one world religion that's now being formed and solidified and the opening of the Abrahamic center or uh, Abrahamic, yeah, I believe it's Abrahamic center there in Dubai or if it's United Arab Emirates, what that whole thing being opening supposedly right now, they said it was going to open by the end of this year. This is us entering into that time. It is bizarre. Maybe it's going to take a few years to develop fully. Don't know. But um, I'm thinking these prophecies are starting to happen rapidly, as in the days here that the Israel was seeing them while they're in captivity. Personal view. We'll, we'll, we'll see more. Keep following this. So let's see what happens with these Ten Commandments plus one. Hebrews chapter 6, Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings of the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works of the faith towards God, but instruction about washing and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened, and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For ground that drinks the rain, which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for the sake of it is also tilled receives a blessing from god but if it yields thorns and thistles it is worthless and close to being cursed and it ends up being burned but beloved we are convinced of better things concerning you the things that accompany salvation though we are speaking in this way for god is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love with which you have shown towards his name and having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. For we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeableness of his promise interposed with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement 
to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor to our soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest evermore, according to the order of Melchizedek. Wow. Well, we're in that famous chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, which is been or has been and still is debated in seminaries, churches, theologians, coffee bars, wherever, about this whole idea of once you have uh, turned away from the faith, it is impossible to be renewed to the faith. And what is he saying here in Hebrews 6? It is interesting. It's a fascinating study, and we there's no way we could uh, solve this or uh, really even do it justice in just a couple of minutes. So I'll I'll let you go to the to, to the teaching in Hebrews six that I did on it on the web calvaryp.com and listen to it if you want to get the full kind of background and um, breaking it down. Let me just say that every time we study the Bible, whenever you're looking at one of these issues, you always interpret the Bible with the Bible, and you always take every verse in context. You take the verse in context with the whole book, with the whole chapter, and the other verses around it. You never isolate it, and then you look for the other verses in the Bible, which then give that verse its strength to stand on. That will back it up. The best commentary in the Bible is the Bible. So you have to take all the scriptures into account and look at it in light of the context and what the whole scripture is teaching. And when you do that, you will get a, you will get a clear understanding, as, as clear as you can on these things. There are two camps, two distinct camps on this, and it's one of those things you have to look at. So, I'm just going to leave it there, <laughs> because if I get started, we'll go way over time, and I'll let you look at that yourself. Charles Spurgeon, the name to use, if you seek, ask anything in my name, I will do it. John fourteen fourteen. What a wide promise. Anything, whether large or small, all my knees are covered by that word, Anything. Come, my soul, be free at the mercy seat, and hear the Lord saying to thee, Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. What a wise promise. We are always to ask in the name of Jesus. While this encourages us, it also honors us. This is a constant plea. Occasionally, every other plea is darkened, especially such as we could draw from our own relation to God of our experience of his grace. But at such times, the name of Jesus is as mighty at the throne as ever, and we may plead it with full assurance. What an instructive prayer. I may not ask for anything to which I cannot put Christ's hand and seal. I dare not use my Lord's name to a selfish or willful petition. I may only use my Lord's name to prayers which he would himself pray if he were in my case. It is a high privilege to be authorized to ask in the name of Jesus, as if Jesus himself asked. But our love to him will never allow us to set that name 
where he would not have said it. Am I asking for that which Jesus approves? Dare I put his seal on my prayer? Then I have that which I seek of the Father. That's a really, really good way to to answer that question. To you know, people ask that all the time. The Bible says, "Pray for whatever you want." But I don't get what I want. I wanted a brand new boat, and I never got it. And people say, "I wanted this and I wanted that." We and Jesus even said, you, "You pray amiss. You pray according to your own desires. You don't receive because you ask, but you don't receive because you pray according to." your basic lusts and your wants. But he's saying we have this high privilege to pray in the name of Jesus as if Jesus is asking himself. So we dare not because the honor and the privilege of we're being given to ask anything that he would not himself ask for. And what would Jesus ask for? The Father's will to be done. And the Father's will is to see people's lives changed, touched, and transformed. God is not really all that concerned about any of our desires and our pleasures he does is concerned about our needs food shelter people's lives their health and so we we pray in this way and we pray his will be done because he is god we we do not dictate to god what to do we pray and ask him of what we would like to see that we think it might be according to his will but we acknowledge that he's sovereign and he may do things completely contrary to our will, um, to our thinking, because he has a plan. So with that, let's pray. Father, thank you for our time. And we do ask, God, as we come before you, that you even guide us in our minds and our hearts for the things we do bring before you, so that they are things that your son would ask, that he would come before you and ask these same things. That we not be self-serving and trying to get things, God, that are not... Um, for our benefit spiritually are things that might be more centered on our, our own flesh. We desire to be thinking broadly and be thinking of your kingdom because you instructed us to pray that way. So we do pray in that regard. We pray for those that are hurting, those that are seeking to find you, those that are in war-torn countries right now that have that are crying out for food or crying out for shelter or clothing, the winter setting in, the coldness, and we know there's people that are hurting and we desire not to be praying for our own selfish need when there's so much hurt out there, people in need. So, God, we pray that you would rise up. You would raise up missionaries. You'd raise up people that raise up even government agencies to come into these war-torn countries and bring aid and help. But in that, God, bring your gospel. Bring it strongly. And bless those that are hurting. And bless those that are going through all of these physical infirmities that need healing. We thank you the one Carlos is. Cancer treatments are just down to five or six now, uh, or seven, and we pray that it goes well for him, and for um, we pray for anyone going through cancer treatments, that they, they would be able to terminate them and be found clean. And surgeries as well, we know that uh, our sister, that Raquel, is supposed to be getting an injection in her neck today in the hospital for reduce or to get, take away her extreme nerve pain So we, in her neck. We pray that goes well, as well as all those that have appointments to try and deal with issues of pain and medication. We pray for um, Kevin, who's been feeling really sick. They really heal him, got it, uh, getting used to another country, another food, another place can be trying at times so we pray that you heal him quickly Lee if she's feeling bad 
pray for uh, Dean Kim and their family who have been out of church, I think, because of the disease and the things they're going through. So we want to pray for them and ask that you heal them up so they can come back in fellowship. Pray for Tony and Bernice that everything's going well with them, God. Um, so pray that they're not sick as well and that you continue to heal us, God, so that your word can go forth. And uh, so, God, thank you. And uh, we pray for Mary going through her surgery coming up and many people that I just have a lot of things going on. And we pray for the needs of those that are here in Vallarta, that are in this crazy culture in this time, that have very few things, God, of their own. Housing is an issue. Food is an issue. The price of everything is so expensive here. So we just pray, especially for those in the church, because you you tell us to pray for those first in the church, for our brothers and sisters, that you provide for their needs and for their families, and, and that they have work, and that they would come to a place, God, where they're ready to follow you with their whole hearts if they're not already. So thank you, Father, and we praise you for this day in Jesus' name. Amen. That will do it, then. We will wait to see you guys tomorrow, same time. Thanks for being with us yesterday. And as I said before, check out the podcast if you were unable to do the reading yesterday so you can stay up on it and let people know about the podcast because we are using that as well as the live feed as an outreach ministry to bring in those people that have never read the Bible or would not read it for themselves, but they're willing to listen for 30 minutes. And so let's pray. Let's ask the Father that he would use it to touch lives because I think that's something that his son would pray for. So thank you guys. Be praying for the ministry, please, here. And thank you for those that are praying for it and supporting it. We love you guys. We really appreciate the encouragement, the letters that we get. It's really, really helpful. So we will see you all tomorrow. Bye-bye.